Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about teaching the 12 bar blues. lovely teachers. I hope you're having a wonderful week and that this month has treated you well if you're listening in real time. So this is actually the end of our blues month and we've saved it until now to talk about the 12 bar blues. There are so many different ways to teach this of course. I'm not saying my way is the right way. I'm just going to tell you how I use it in my studio and what my method is for teaching it. So first of all where does it sit for me? The 12-bar blues is one of my go-to things to pull out when a student needs something different. Especially a student, say, over the age of 10, roughly around there. This is one of my go-tos, as I said, when a student needs something different. So why do they need something different? Well, it could be because they just haven't practiced that week or that month. So this is a really good thing for me to do because I can do so much with it without just practicing what we did last week, going over the same thing again or lecturing them about their lack of practice, all of which will achieve basically nothing. I find it better to switch it up. So pull out the 12-bar blues, show them some of the things it can do and if I need it again in a couple of months for the same student, there's always different things to do with it. Because I'm using it in that way, I don't assign practice of this generally. I'm not saying you can't have students practicing the blues. There's nothing wrong with that, for sure. But for me, it tends to be a bit of a pattern interrupt, I would say, in lessons. It's the thing I break out when I feel like the student, yeah, maybe they haven't practiced or maybe they just look dazed uninterested in what I'm saying or what we're doing or like they just need something fresh and different. It also comes up for me if a student arrives to my lesson and they're just not in a great place mentally, like they've had a really rough day at school or they didn't sleep at all the night before for whatever reason or they just have something else going on in their life that means they're not in the right zone to work on challenging reading pieces right then and there. So once I've decided in my head, and this is a spur of the moment thing, that we're going to do 12 bar blues, I keep a little bit of the mystery going. I don't announce to my student that that's what we're going to do. I just say, okay, hey, grab a piece of paper. I'm thinking of doing this online when I say grab a piece of paper, but if they're in person, you know, I give them a piece of paper. And I say, 
Hmm, okay, I want you to write these letters. C, 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 C. Something like that. So I do it a little bit silly, is what I'm saying. Because I'm trying to shake things up for them. I'm trying to wake them up a bit. So I tell them, write these letters in a row. And then they turn out to be four C's. And then I say, okay, go to a new line. And I tell them to write the rest of the pattern out. Okay? You can make a judgment call on the ending. What I like to often do, what the way it's often written actually is... And the last bar, it'll be a C or a 1 with a 5 or a G in brackets. Beside it, what I like to do, since it's more familiar to what most students I would teach would be used to, I like to do a first and second ending if we're going to do the repeat and do the dominant and go back to the start. I like to do that as a first time bar and a second time bar. You don't have to do that at all. And I often do skip it. So that's if my student is a little bit further along and I think... 24 bar bars would be more fun, then we will put in a first and second ending. But if not, just put in the ending, land on C at the end. So once my student has those letters written out, we put in lines in between them, which are going to be the bar lines and then the double bar line at the end or the repeat sign and the first and second ending if you're doing it that way. It's a very basic diagram, but that's all we need. And it should take you like a minute to get your student to write this out. It really should be super quick. Once we have our little map, I'm going to get them to play it to discover that it's actually music. The great thing about the 12 bar blues is even if you just do the root notes, it will still sound like something <laughs> when you get to the third line or of bar nine and ten, right, where you have the five and the four, it'll still sound like something. It, it magically sounds like the blues, even though it's ve there's very little going on. If your student is at a stage where they're very comfortable playing chords, I would get them to do the root in the left, chord in the right straight away. But if they are not at that stage, say they are a little bit older, but they haven't covered chords yet, they're, they're still a beginner, then I would have them do those separately. So practice it first left hand and you can do the right hand and then right hand and you can do the left hand and then they might be able to put it together. Or if they have trouble with chords, you could leave it as open fifths in the right or thirds in the right or just leave it with the root notes in the left if that's the level your student is at with it. You want this to be easy and accessible and fun, not a struggle. You're not trying to give them a new challenge because... The whole point of this was to give them a little bit of break from working so, so hard. So whichever version they're playing, whether they're doing just the root notes or doing chords with the root notes, I have them just hold it for four beats in each bar. So they're just doing semi-briefs or whole notes in the beginning until they get used to the pattern. And without telling them I'm going to, I start doing a little bit of improv, a couple of little riffs as they play through up the top of the piano. So I'd literally just be walking around the room, in my case, and happen to play something. I'm trying to keep it light and fun and kind of surprising for them. Now, the next step would be to transpose it and to do some duet improv. You can go through as many or as few of these steps in one lesson as you like. And as I said, I'm not assigning practice and then moving on the next day. You could do this over several weeks to really fully teach the 12 bar blues but I'm using it as a siesta. So for me, it's about we get as far as we get, as far as it's interesting. And then maybe next time we'll get further in a few more months or next week or whenever it comes up again, we might get further along. But for many students, since I am using this as 
a siesta sort of lesson. It's a lesson that I believe needs to be derailed on purpose. I often will get through all these steps I'm describing to you in the one lesson. So step three is transposing and doing some duet improv. So I get them to take out their scrap of paper again and underneath where they wrote their first pattern just in the key of C, we start in the key of C because that's the easiest for the chords and everything like that. But now we're going to write it out in numbers. So if your student already knows Roman numerals, you can use those. Um, many of my students do. I tend to use them with students and they do learn them in school. I'm not sure when they, <laughs> what class they learn them in. It doesn't seem to be standardized, but eventually they meet them. And a lot of my students really like Roman numerals. They find them kind of quirky and fun. So we, we do those. But you can use regular numbers if that's what you prefer. So I have them write out that pattern just in numbers this time. And then once we have it written out in number format, I tell my student, okay, one is going to be E flat now. So write in E flat beside all the ones. We'd often use a different colored pencil for that. And then if E flat is one, what's four? If that would be a very difficult question for your student, I wouldn't ask them. I'd just show them on the piano. Okay, E flat is one. So that means da, 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 da. this is four and this is five and have them write it in. So once we have our new E flat pattern, going to have them play through that, just test it out, maybe just with the root notes in the left. And then I'm going to say, okay, we're going to swap places. So now they are going to be the improviser and I'm going to do the accompanying, the lower part. So if you haven't tweaked this already, the reason we switched to E flat before they are the improviser is because the E flat minor blues is the easiest blues scale. It's just the black keys plus A. Black keys plus A, that's all I have to tell them. And they're able to mess around with it, make up riffs, and it all sounds great. It just sounds naturally fantastic right away. So we've swapped roles and swapped places if we're on the one piano. We'll play through it and I'll do some kind of accompaniment simply using the 12 bar blues in E flat. And they will play anything they like with those notes in the right hand in the upper register. And then step four, if you get to it, is for them to do some solo improv. So for this, I like to stay in the key of E flat, have them do root notes in their left, and then the scale that they've just been working in in their right, the E flat minor blues. So just one note in the left and still just holding for each bar to keep it simple. And I like to describe it as the right hand answering the left hand. So what I mean by that is the left hand's gonna play its note at the start of the bar, and then the right hand's gonna say a little something, right? A little yoke. And then the left hand's going to play its next note and the right hand's going to respond to it. So I like to do it this way because it's much easier for them to stay steady with their beat, to stay focused on their left hand enough to keep it going. And it makes a much more satisfying experience than saying, OK, do both together. Because if you try to really do both together right away, they may find it too difficult and it gets very frustrating and it doesn't sound good. So they feel like they're kind of failing at it. Whereas if we do left, right, 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 left, right, right, that kind of thing, they fit together easily and you can still keep track of where you are in the pattern in your left hand. So that's it. Let me recap those steps. So we start by mapping it out on a piece of paper just in the key of C. Then I have them do the root note in the left hand and the chord in the right hand and I improvise a little bit on the top. And then we swap places. We transpose it to E flat 
and they improvise the E flat minor blues while I accompany them. And then if they get to that stage, they'll do a little bit of solo improv where their left hand speaks first and their right hand answers each time, still sticking with the key of E flat. Your one thing this week is to try that simple solo improv yourself. Write out the 12 bar blues map if you need to in the key of E flat or just think about it and play with your left hand playing the root note and your right hand answering each time with something from the E flat minor blues scale. You can get as fancy or as simple as you like but try to stick within those parameters and just see what you can do with that. So that's how I use the 12 bar blues most often and the method I go through with students to teach it. I'd love to hear how you use the 12 bar blues or other ways you shake things up when students seem like they've got a little bit of malaise setting in. I would love to hear from you on the comments in the article that goes along with this episode on the Colourful Keys blog or on Instagram, we're at Colourful Keys. Vibrant Music Teaching members get five new games or resources at least every single month that keep them inspired and wanting to become a better teacher each and every day. If you want to join the best community of teachers online, you can go to vmt.ninja and sign up today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.